Good afternoon, and welcome to a special edition of From Where We Are. I'm Luke Scorzel, coming to you live from Studio B in USC's Annenberg Media Center. And I'm Ayana White. It's March 12, 2020, and this may be the last time we'll be able to go live for a while. As you may already know, schools across the country have canceled in-person classes due to the spread of COVID-19. That includes USC. Yesterday, many of us attended all of our classes using Zoom, an online video conferencing software. Students have been strongly advised to stay off campus and in their housing. That's why Luke and I are hosting today instead of Taylor Bazil and Lauren Habroni. With in-person classes postponed until at least April 14th, many students will be going home after spring break and staying there. That includes both of us. Both of us. The last few days have been filled with uncertainty, as you'll hear in our show. We speak with students about how COVID-19 has affected them. A few hours ago, the director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention promised to provide free testing for COVID-19 to all Americans, regardless of whether or not they have health insurance. This promise was made during a House hearing after Democratic Representative Katie Porter explained that the average cost of getting tested, which she described as conservatively over $1,000, would prevent many Americans from being tested. Many of our reporters have already gone home in the wake of the coronavirus. Megan Burke is a student at USC and recorded her take on what it's been like being at home. Recently with the coronavirus, life as a college student has changed immensely. School has been moved to online classes over Zoom for pretty much everyone. Right now I find myself back at home with my parents and family in Brentwood, Los Angeles, at my kitchen table listening to class lectures, giving presentations, etc. It definitely feels a little unnatural. I I really miss seeing my friends, I miss talking one-on-one with teachers, and I miss the effectiveness of working collaboratively in person with other classmates. Like, sure, it's nice to wear your PJs and sit on the couch when you're in class, but that feeling only really lasts for a day or two, I think. My home life has changed a lot in terms of my siblings and I. I have a twin brother who goes to USC with me, and I have a little sister who goes to Bucknell in Pennsylvania. My sister was home for her spring break this past week when she and my parents were notified that all students, including those playing spring sports, were to move out from their school housing and pretty much just go home and take their classes online. For my sister, this was really hard because as a sophomore, she had just gotten used to the school and the groove of things and was making strong friendships and relationships. She was devastated when she came home and talked to us that she would now have to leave her boyfriend and her friends who live in different states and whom she probably won't see again for a few months with summer following the spring term and all. So that was really hard to see. Now I'm left feeling like I'm in some zombie apocalypse movie. I really was not prepared for how fast life would change. And I understand it's not just a few schools, but Every day, more and more schools around the U.S. are moving towards online platforms as a way to discourage the spread of the virus. And all I can think about is how long will this last? Will I be sharing a room again at home with my sister like we did in high school? Will I be doing online classes all the way till next fall? The fact that this is a novel virus where experts and media are having to learn on the go 
it makes it harder, I think, because no one is sure about anything and uncertainty is scary. And I think you can see this fear all around you. For me, in Brentwood, the Ralphs and Vicente Foods near my house all have sections of aisles empty. People are panicking and stocking up on supplies. It's crazy. This all just feels so surreal. What's more, my dad's a doctor, a uh, psychiatrist, and he has had to sit my family and me down to discuss the toll the virus has taken on the economy and how less people are coming into his office, terrified of human contact, it seems, ultimately resulting in my family having to make financially leaner decisions for our future. I never really foresaw just how much would be affected by the coronavirus or how fast, but it has seemed to touch all areas of my life, so I can just imagine how it's impacted others around the country. That was reporter Megan Burke. Earlier this month, several USC students attended the National Institute for Computer-Assisted Reporting Conference in New Orleans. On Tuesday, conference organizers shared the news that one of the attendees who is not from USC had tested positive for COVID-19. That individual has self-quarantined. I spoke with Maya Harrison on the phone earlier today. She just started her 14-day quarantine. So how have you been? I've been good. At first it was kind of, I'm still freaked out, but I think that's normal at this point because of all the news that you're hearing. I don't know if you know, we're in a hotel and yeah, we're here for 14 days is what we've been instructed. I just wanted to know what exactly happened. So it sounds like you went to this event and someone there had tested positive for the coronavirus. And so now, yes. did Gordon Staples yes. tell you to quarantine yourself or did USC advise you? Actually, it, was, I forget, it wasn't Gordon. It was Vince. It was Vince Gonzalez that emailed us. Tuesday, we found out that someone had tested positive, well, presumptively positive from the NICAR event that they had like mild symptoms and that they would most likely recover. Um, and then we received like steps saying like we received the email saying like we would need to be quarantined. Initially we were told it would be like 48 hours possibly, but that would be after um, USC health discussed with uh, the proper people, like what steps needed to be taken um, and then we received email yesterday saying that it would be like we would officially be quarantined for 14 days. Wow! And you're yeah. at the at the USC hotel right now? No, we are at the DoubleTree Hilton. But mm-hmm. I do know that they have other students quarantined there. But we, all of us, are here at the DoubleTree. All the students that went to NICAR are here. So what have you guys been doing? <laughs> um, some people have been attending class. I haven't had any Zoom classes yet. We have had some Zoom Netflix watching of um, what's that show? The Married, the Blind, the First Blind, whatever Love the is blind, blind. Show is. There we go. <laughs> Love is Blind. So we've been having, we had like a Zoom session of that, and I believe we're going to have another one. But other than that, it's just been being in a hotel room, ordering food, and watching TV for me, and playing games. I managed to grab my Switch before I left 
So I've been playing games instead of doing work. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Just out of curiosity, is USC paying for you to stay in this hotel? Yes. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah, because it was, um, because, because it was a USC, like we went with to NICAR with USC in essence. So I feel, I believe that's the reason why they are paying for it. Um, but yeah, they're, they're doing that and they're also giving us money to, to get food as well. Okay. I hope you guys don't go crazy in quarantine. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I <laughs> I feel like I I'm I'm an introvert, and so usually being alone is very fun. But I'm also that person that's like always in your head. So with the knowledge that so I could have possibly come in contact with someone that has the coronavirus, I've like freaked myself out to the level where I've like decided, oh yeah, you coughed once, you have it, you're going to die. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Have you been in contact with, like, your family or, like, your friends? Like, how do they feel? Yeah, I have been. Um, I feel like I freaked a lot of my friends out the first day just because it, I feel like the all of the news about the coronavirus is, is not helping when someone close to you says, like, hey, I've possibly been in contact with someone and you've been in contact with a per- person that's possibly been in contact with someone. My mom, I feel like, took it way better than I did, but she also knows that I freak out very easily when it comes to sickness and stuff. So I feel like she knew she had to be chill. She's still very chill about it. And just checking up and making sure that I'm doing good. My friends are doing the same, texting, FaceTiming, like, are you okay? How are you doing mentally? Um, Sending me fun memes, which is always great to take my mind off of thinking about everything that's going on. So, yeah, I feel like they're doing fine. They're probably freaking out as well, trying to make sure that they don't get, like, they weren't sick from having potential contact with me. So, yeah. But so far, everybody seems to be chill and trying to make sure that everyone that is in quarantine is not going extremely crazy. Thanks for talking to me. For Annenberg Media, I'm Ayana White talking with Maya Harrison. This has been a particularly impactful situation for students in the class of 2020 who are finishing their college career this spring. Earlier today, I sat down with seniors Niccolo Bettino, Bintu Agne, Ariel Smith, and Stephen Vargas. They told me about what they're feeling right now and what they expect for the rest of this semester. All of you are gathered here uh, because you're graduating in some way or another from a master's program or from... um, just college this mm-hmm. semester mm-hmm. and obviously we're not coming back until at least April 14th mm-hmm. after spring break mm-hmm. um, a lot of schools have just canceled their entire semesters so being your last semester at USC I guess I'll ask again in a more somber tone just how um, how are you guys feeling the hardest thing with this is that I've always really liked like structure and everything mm-hmm. and the fact that this like every day it's kind of constantly changing Mm -hmm. that's been the hardest part for me of not knowing like like you said like when we will be back or like when and if there would be a graduation I know that's something that people have even though we said like Mm -hmm. until April 14th we can't help but think like could this Mm -hmm. be extended until graduation Mm -hmm. and like what that would look like would that be postponed so I think that's the most difficult part for me of just like not knowing Mm -hmm. 
exactly what to expect. Yeah, I totally agree actually with you. I feel like it's like the uncertainty that is kind of like difficult to manage and also it's our last semester and you know we want to have like we're thinking maybe we can have a graduation so I, I don't know if it will really happen so that's the main thing. And I kind of think a huge part of my college experience has been stripped from me and I am the first in my immediate family to attend like a four-year university like USC. And my whole family from the East Coast has already bought their plane tickets to fly out. They've booked their hotel reservations. Um, the invitations to my family have already been sent out for my graduation. So I think it's the little things from the fact that my embroideries on my sash have already been ordered to... Um, the fact that I don't know if I'll ever see my teachers in person again, let alone sit in a classroom setting, is something that is maybe something that I haven't fully processed yet, but I think will only, unfortunately, like feel worse as things acclimate more. I don't think it's like really set in for me that this is all happening because it's happened so quick, and I'm, I'm just kind of seeing it all happen without registering how it's going to affect the rest of the semester. Me, it's different. We're in France, and right now, anyway, no one can fly <laughs> going over there. And they have their, I think in France, they close also all the schools. They just, like, the president just announced that today. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not even thinking. Me, for me, it's more like, I will say, celebrating just with my friends, like my classmates. But I don't, you know, like, as she was saying, I don't even know if we will have one, so... That's like a big like question mark. My family lives in Fairfield County in Connecticut, mm. and my younger brother's gym teacher uh, contracted coronavirus yesterday. And as of that, I've been unable to actually go home like a lot of my friends have for this next spring break because my hometown feels worse mm. and more mm. contaminated than being here in LA <laughs> so it's this weird feeling of yes of course I've been in contact with my family on a moment by moment basis but um no place really feels safe yeah I mean yeah. I've canceled three flights at wow. this point I was initially going to Hawaii mm -hmm. that was canceled I was going to go to Florida that's canceled and then I was going to go to the Bay Area drive mm -hmm. up and then fly back down it it really hasn't hindered it that much except in terms of like how it will affect me in the future as a work-study student. Like, yes, like, if graduation or whatever, like, does end up getting being canceled, like, the fact that I even had, like, you know, these last three and a half years here at this university and everything. So I'm just trying to remind myself that, like, yes, this is just another bump that the class of 2020 has had to go through. But at the same time, like, it's, we've gotten through overall, we've gotten over all of the other ones, so we can get through this one too. You know, of course, you know, we want the graduation, but I mean, for me, I had like such like an amazing experience here. I was, I was able to go to so many events, meet so many like from the professor to like all the guests and being very active and like the media center is just like so many good things that happen at the school. And at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I have my health. You know, like, I'm sure you must be worried about your brother. So I'm like just having my health and not you know, not, you know, just trying to stay safe at the end, you know, that's really like what matters. That's what I try to like focus on. And then just to see what 
voices will be shared after all of this is over is is enlightening but i mean even on like the memes page this morning there was the list of like everything that the class of 2020 has yeah. gone through <laughs> <laughs> like, study hall closing grinder the neurovirus freshman year all the scandals 2016 yeah, elections all the scandals, all the scandals. The <laughs> i'm two years behind you guys and i feel like i've <laughs> been through a lot um but catch I, up I, I know. <laughs> you know i still have two more years to go so we're not sure what what could come about thank you all for being here um i know that all of our thoughts and prayers are with you guys and we're here for you yeah and thank you for sharing i think this is really important so for that um i'm luke scorzel and i'm glad you could join us that was again nicolo Bettino, bintu agne ariel smith and stephen vargas We're glad you're here with us for From Where We Are. And I'm Luke Scorzell. It's 17 minutes past the hour, and we wanted to take a moment to reflect on some of our own experiences. Uh, we've been reporting all day. I don't know what's it been like for you. It's been pretty stressful. No one really knows what they're doing, and I don't like not knowing what I'm doing, but I understand that this is like what we have to do in order to know how we're going to operate for the next month. Yeah, I mean, one of the cool opportunities, maybe, if you're looking at silver linings that's come out of this, is getting to be flexible, getting to have reporting from some of our journalists at home. Um, but, I mean, yeah, and you're going home, right? Yeah, I'm going back to Maryland. I'm excited to see my family and my friends and my cat. <laughs> yeah, where are you from? Where are you going? I am going to Lake Arrowhead, a small mountain town, uh, <laughs> two hours east of here. I'll be joining my cat cats, <laughs> and dog and parents. Um, how do you feel about that? I'm excited to go home, but I would obviously I would rather be here like in person, like learning like I usually am. Yeah, I know it's weird. I don't want to go home and bring anything with me. Um, we'll have to sanitize, go through <laughs> one of the cleaning chambers. <laughs> um, um, while I'm home, I'm going to be interviewing my friends because Maryland has also shut off their have switched to online schooling. So are you going to be out and reporting or are you? Yeah, I think um, hopefully I'm planning on, I mean, we'll be here reporting. Mm -hmm. uh, so whether you guys like it or not, you'll continue to hear from us. <laughs> um, but with that, we have more reporting for you today, um, a piece on mindfulness, um, because even before the COVID-19 outbreak, college students were stressed out. I mean, midterms, tuition, you name it. Uh, stressed and uh, universities around the country are really taking action to address this with mindfulness programs. They teach the importance of being aware of our thoughts, feelings and experiences and how they impact our mental health. Celine Chinoy tells us about the effectiveness of these programs. Tests, student debt, difficult roommates, unemployment. These are just a few things that stress college students today. Recent studies report a spike in the stress levels among college students in universities across the country. A 2017 study by the U.S. Census Bureau found that three out of four students have experienced a sense of overwhelming anxiety at some point. Analia Eisner is a 25-year-old pre-med student who says stress is part of everyday life in school. There's always something hanging over your head. You're never sort of without something to do. 
I think also living in the age that we do with the, you know, smartphones around us all the time, we're sort of constantly surrounded by distractions. We have a mental health crisis at American universities, particularly at elite universities. That's Reverend Jim Burklow, the Senior Associate Dean of Religious and Spiritual Life at the University of Southern California. Burklow teaches mindfulness and meditation at Mindful USC, a service that provides free classes, training, and practice groups for students. You make sacrifices to get into a place like this. So we get students, they show up here with stress before they even get here. And then it's like, okay, how do we cope with the stress once we're here? Universities nationwide are addressing this concern by introducing on-campus mindfulness classes and communities. Nestled in a quiet street corner in Santa Monica lies an oasis of calm. Visitors to the Insight LA Center are greeted by the serene presence of a Buddha statue. Colorful cushions are spread around the seating area, and a book rack is filled with meditation tracks and mindfulness guides. Sydney Reese is a certified mindfulness instructor. She's teaching a weekly mindfulness class to a group of 20 young adults. Just accepting the invitation to grow intimacy, stillness with oneself by sitting, opening to what is. Reese says practicing mindfulness in a group helps people manage their stress in a supportive space. There becomes a kind of normalizing of stress or adverse experience. And that, hey, I'm in a room with people who are like-minded and share the same kind of goals and outlooks and challenges. Oh, if she can do it, I can do it. Or they're doing it with me. I'm not alone. Uncertainty about the future was the number one anxiety-inducing factor in my life. 24-year-old Martha Walnicki is a USC grad student. She says group sessions helped cure her insomnia and reduced her anxiety. I've really been able to get clear on what I want and being okay with the uncertainty that I don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. Another person in the class is Elizabeth Chen, a 26-year-old UCLA grad student. She says mindfulness feels like therapy because it brings more balance and openness. Meditation has helped me to build discipline has also taught me to be more compassionate, to not take myself so seriously. So being more engaged with people and the things that are around me and not being so stuck within myself. There's a growing body of research showing that a mindfulness practice can be effective. Diana Winston is the director of mindfulness education at UCLA Semmel Institute. She cites 57 different studies that looked at the relationship between mindfulness meditation and anxiety among college students. It shows the very positive effects, things like helping with insomnia, reducing, reducing anxiety symptoms, but there's still lots of research to do in that field. Winston says mindfulness is ultimately a quality of attention that students can experience at any moment in their day, no matter where they are. Whatever your mind is doing... We can learn in that moment to return to the present moment 
take a breath, be present in our body, feel our feet on the ground, and find a place of ease. We don't have to let our mind go there. Mindfulness has been shown to help people suffering from everyday stress, but it's not a solution for those who suffer from severe mental health issues and unresolved trauma. For Annenberg Media, I'm Celine Chenoy. You know, I've been spending a lot of time reflecting in prayer, but now we have our time for our match volume, uh, our segment featuring interviews with people doing exciting things in this big world of ours. Our match volume segment this week features Erlon Woods. Erlon is the co-host and co-creator of Ear Hustle. He discusses his experience in San Quentin, his recent release from prison, and his journey into podcasting. He spoke with Annenberg Media's Maya Harrison and Isaiah Murtaugh. You got out and you moved to, you're in the East Bay now. So, so yes, I, um, in, let me see, November 21st, 2018, uh, the Honorable Governor Brown commuted my life sentence under the three-strike law and I was released uh, nine days later. So, yeah. and, I, and I was released. Actually, they sent me back. Being that he commuted my sentence, it put me under this thing called determinant sentence where you have to go back to your uh, last known residence county. So which was which was uh, Los Angeles County, but actually it was actually San Bernardino because it was Ontario. Mm-hmm. But um, so they had to go back, come back here, and check in with the POs, and then go back up north. Okay. Did you ever down. think about moving back down? Um, not right now. No, I mean I always look at it like home is wherever I'm at. You know, everything else I can either see people, they can come see me. Yeah. So did your idea of home change when you were inside? Of course. I mean. You you become homeless technically. You know you don't have a home that goes. Yeah, you got family, but I'm just saying like your home and you know what it is. But like I say, I, anywhere I go is home to me. I'm I'm cool. I'm there. Yeah. You know so, but uh like like you say as far as it changing, I guess you just uprooted. You know you don't have like no roots in outside of your family and friends. But you you know personally, I I think probably within the next five years I figure that part out. Mm-hmm. Um until then I'm a or be on my grind to get there. Yeah. Indeed. Do you get tired of talking about prison? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that's a very interesting question. <laughs> but uh, the very good answer to that is, um, me and my partners talk about this a lot sometimes. And a lot of us are in are in a field of whether it's criminal justice, uh, whether it's um, me doing a podcast, whether it's uh, whatever. And we like, damn, man. Did you ever think when we was walking those prison yards that we would get out and get paid just to talk about prison? <laughs> <laughs> hey, and we just be laughing about that. It's funny, you know. But, I mean, I, I understand it. Being that, you know, we've served so much time behind the wall, we became experts. Mm-hmm. You know, we was there three, what, 24 hours a day, you know, mm-hmm. and understand everything about it from one point of view. And I think um, people nowadays value that. It ain't just talking about us, it's, it's talking with us. Yeah. So that's cool. How do stories figure into that work? I, I know that like you have a platform now that you're the host of this podcast with 6 million downloads. Um, 6 million downloads? That's right? Is it 6 million? It's a lot of downloads. It's a lot. Probably a 40 million. 40? I'm like, damn, 6? We Damn, what happened? They gave their downloads oh, back? Oh, shit. They gave I them all got, back? Damn. Oh, really wrong. Damn. It's at 40 million. It's another show? It's at 40 yeah, million? about 40 million. Probably. 40 million wow. downloads. Four more. Okay, so you have a podcast with 40 million downloads. With 40 million downloads. You're telling Which all these cool. stories. Yeah. 
Which is 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 yeah. it's, it's, it's a trip because when we first started, you know, we sat down with uh, the executive producers and uh, president of PRX and Radiotopia, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I don't I didn't know nothing about podcasts outside of what Nigel um, basically was trying to explain to us. So when we finally won this competition, we because we got into a competition to win, Ear Hustle did, and. Out of 1,537 other contestants in 53 different countries, we ended up winning. So when they came and sat down and talked to us in the prison, I was like, well, how many, like, downloads is cool? You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, did you get? And they was like, well, if you get, like, I think it was something like twenty or 50,000 for the season, you're doing good. And I was like, nah, we're going to hit a million. You know, mm-hmm. I was just, that was just what I was, I was thinking, like, there's too many people in prison. Mm-hmm. And it's too many. One person probably affects 10 people. You know, whether it's mother, brother, sister, cousin. So you have people that's going to be interested in it. And our first month, we hit like 1.5 million downloads. So wow. they was like, damn, you clairvoyant. I'm like, I just, uh, <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, yeah, it's a lot of people, not even in the United States, even around the world, people in jail or prison or whatever, detention centers everywhere. So it's definitely going to resonate with somebody. I knew that. That was Erlon Woods. For more of this interview, find Match Volume at uscannenbergmedia.com. That's all we have time for on today's special edition of From Where We Are. Today's show was produced by Ayana White, Joshua Shang, and myself. We also got help from Evan Jacoby. Yuhi Liang is our technical operator. Even as we are off the KXSC airwaves, Annenberg Radio News is still going to be with you through the end of the semester. So be sure to check out our radio stories online at uscannenbergmedia.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be bringing you stories of life in the virtual world from our Zoom classes. Uh, If you want to share your story, send them on over to ascradio at usc.edu. From Studio B of the USC Annenberg Media Center, I'm Luke Scorzel. And I'm Ayanna White. From all of us here at Annenberg Radio, we leave you with four pieces of advice. Be safe, stay hydrated, wash your hands, and fight on.